changes for no second. But it's so good to be here Amen. in the house, Lord. It's so good to have Ruth over here. And we got a special effort to get here, and thanks to Brother Chris for helping me get here. But Brother, it's so good. Amen. We missed you so much. It's good to have a traveling back, Brother. It's good to have our, our, just our visitors here. It's just a great day to be in the household and have a great time here in the household. Let's go to the Lord of Prayer. It's, again, it's so good to be here. I'm going to ask uh, Sister Pam, if you don't mind, let me pray for Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings that you've shown us. Lord, we thank you for the meaning of this day. Remembering our loved ones that have gone. Lord, be with this service. Lord, give uh, Brother Steve the words that we need to hear. And help us, Lord, to apply them and use them for the good of this community. Lord, forgive me where I've sinned and failed you. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Let's look at the page. Sing one more. 236. 236. What a day that will be. We're just singing about heaven. Let's just sing another song right here. What a day that will be.
that will be when he takes me by the hand. He takes us home to What a day that will be. Well, let's have our devotion. Let's let anyone have anything they'd like to share before we have our devotion this morning. Brother Wayne, I'd like to say that uh, it's good to be here. Okay. And uh, I appreciate the people that have stayed with me because it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy task. Uh, because I pretty much stayed awake from 12:30 to 4 every night, and uh, and everybody that got to stay with me got to talk to me during that time, and uh, it was. But then there was some time when I just communed with the good Lord. Yes. And I, I don't know why that I'm walking through this valley, but if He wants me to, I will. And I learned, I, I learned so much. Um, and thank you to the, the people that uh, built the ramp at my house. Uh, and uh, thank you to Brother Chris for finding a way to get me here. Uh, we, we bought a van uh, yesterday, but we, we, we pick it up tomorrow. But uh, Chris went out of his way to, uh, to talk to someone that he knew had one to get me here. And it, it means so much. And uh, I, I just want to thank everyone that, that's praying for me uh, and everybody that's, that's going to visit me. And, and I, I know that, that, uh, that everybody doesn't have time. But uh, it, the most important thing is to pray for me. And uh, the good Lord is, uh, is, is touching. And, and, and I, I'm moving more every day. Um, and uh, I've got more control every day. So y'all continue to pray. Um, I don't know that I'll be here at every service for the revival. Um, probably won't. But uh, I'll be praying for you. And uh, thank y'all so much for what you've done for me. Amen. Anyone else have anything I can share? It's good to see Jess back. Amen. <laughs> good to see you back.
I just ask God to put on our hearts what we need to do as Christians. And um, may we be just thankful for what He wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? You have any comments? Oh, well, have a devotion, I think. Chris, I think you're going to bring it again. I try. <laughs> I, I joined Brother Wayne in saying welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. We started last week by uh, quoting the words of David from Psalms 122 when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I feel that way today. We feel a, a great victory today, seeing that Brother Bo has made it to here. And we're not going to let up in our praying and our uh, asking God to get him right back over here. And so, Brother Bo, we're not going to let up on that. Because we need you right back up there and then right back up here. And, uh, and that will be a glorious day uh, for sure as well. Well, uh, we are so glad that you're here today. I called Brother Roger on the road and... Uh, implored him to go ahead and film his spot today but uh, he said it was going to be real late last night before he got in and they'd, they'd really like for someone else to do it and i said well if i do it two sundays in a row i won't have to worry about being asked again so. <laughs> but we're very glad that you're here and that you're back and we miss the wonderful job that brother uh, roger does every week and i promise i will not take as much time as I did last week. But I had to think a minute about Decoration Day. And, um, you know, that's kind of becoming something, um, a thing of the past. And a lot more people now uh, that you talk to, if you mention a Decoration Day, Bill Steve, they don't know what you're talking about. Or people that move to our area. But I'm glad that we still uh, observe this day. So I had to look back a little bit. Where, where did this even get started in the beginning? And what I could find was that, um, that this all started back uh, just after the Civil War when uh, there was a day set aside to decorate the graves of the war dead, those that had passed away in the Civil War, both from the North and the South. And that kind of took... Um, um, I guess took root, and it eventually um, it eventually evolved in nationally to what we call our Memorial Day, which is the last Monday in May. Anybody have any idea why it might be at the end of May? Well, that was because spring had got here and there were flowers. So fourth Monday in May was designated as a Memorial Day for, to honor our veterans, and there was flowers in abundance that could be picked and uh, carried to the cemetery. So I thought that that uh, uh, really, really spoke to me in the fact that we have all these generations uh, later uh, continue to do that. So I asked Pam one day this week, I turned to her and I said, why are we celebrating a decoration day? And she said, she thought a minute, and uh, she said, well, it's to honor those that have died before us. And in thinking of that, which is absolutely true, then I thought of Revelation 14, 
13. If you'd like to look there, if you don't, don't if you uh, don't want to take time to do it, but Revelation 14, 13. And John said, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So yesterday, as I walked around, and I spent a good time with my brother Mark from Georgia looking around the cemetery, I was reminded again why I, I don't like when we come down to uh, a funeral service for anyone to say, well, dearly beloved, we're gathered here to pay our last tribute of respect to whoever. Because I just don't find that to be true in my life. As I walked around the cemetery yesterday and we talked about people that we have known from the past, Brother Steve, we paid tributes of respect sure. to them. And uh, so they're blessed. They're blessed at dying the Lord. And they're resting from their labors, and their works do follow them. And what does that mean? I think it means that they, through their Christian life, they have led, left a testimony that cheers me on today. Amen. If I get in a hard time, and I have been there uh, at times in my life, and I think I don't know how to go uh, any further, and I might think of one of these old saints of God and think about what they went through and what they did. And we have to honor them, and we are honoring them today because we recognize that without the life that they live, we would not be able to enjoy what we enjoy today. So as I look over this congregation today, and I see the children of uh, Brother Shelley and Neil Young, and um, I see the Garners here, and, and Ted and Lily, uh, that I've known and was dear to me through my life. And uh, uh, Jim and Jamie Lou, when I look back there at you, Don, and uh, uh, Sister Faye and Brother JT, when I look at you, Elaine, and I look at the Maroos, and I remember Miss Lomer. I never did know your granddaddy, but I remember them. And then uh, I remember, uh, I'm going to miss somebody now that I got to call their names, but I remember, of course, Brother Ivy and Sister Ruthie Graves, and who has family here today. And I remember Brother Johnny, and the list can just go on and on. And they are blessed today, and our lives are blessed by what they did. And we're enjoying today what we're enjoying, largely because of them and their faithfulness. You know, there's probably no one living today that had anything to do with building this building. However, we're all here to enjoy it because of what they did. And so I want to, throughout today, as we worship the Lord, to remember those that have been faithful uh, and uh, to honor them today because certainly they are blessed and their works do follow them. Now, as I thought about that, I had one final thought, Brother Steve, and that's, how good a job are we doing taking their place? And am I doing what I need to do and what I should do to help their take, take their place? And will I leave any testimony behind that might be a help to somebody later on? That's the thought that I had as we just think about this decoration day. 
And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. We're going to have a wonderful day in the Lord. What the music, the singing this wonderful this morning? It was just great. And I, I, uh, I know why uh, David said, let us go into the house of the Lord. He also said that we come before the presence of the Lord and we sing. Come before his. So I appreciate your participation in that. Would uh, uh, anybody like to just pay a tribute just quickly to uh, somebody that you know that's already gone on that's meant a lot to you? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that if you'd like to. Yes, ma'am. Amen. They did. They surely did. Amen. God bless you, man. They meant a lot to me, too. Some trips to the mountains and things that, that I was able to do in my lifetime as a boy because of them. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else you'd like to? Please do. Chris, of course, I appreciate my parents you bet. and their faithfulness. Yeah. This was our home church, but I didn't really have my parents. Yeah. pastor at different churches. But I almost mentioned this. Uh, my sister Adeline and Brother Johnny baptized me. Yeah. I have uh, lots of good memories. Yeah. 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 Brother Johnny was our pastor when my middle brother, Mark, was saved. And I remember him being on this pew here and coming forward on the Mother's Day. And Brother Johnny... Uh, administered to him and to our family and meant so much. Meant so much. The works are following me. Sure. Anyone else? I don't want to beg or anything, but I want to give you that opportunity if you'd like to honor someone that's uh, gone before. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great blessing to us. This is our first Memorial Day since Daddy's been gone. We're just thrilled that we're able to get a headstone up out there for him on uh, uh, Friday. So thank you. Anyone else? Brother Chris, sister uh, Zelma and Brother Jay Briggs sit right up here. Uh -huh. And I remember the night I was saved, not to be seven, we went to their house for ice cream. Mm -hmm. Now, real well forget Brother Jay, especially, he had that big old smile on his face. Always. Uh -huh. He'd just crush your hand with that manly grip he had. And, right. uh, when service was over, he'd stand up and say, everybody turn around and shake hands and be friends. That's right. They sure did. They sure did. Good memory. And did you, were you aware that Brother Jay Britt is the person that built this office? And it used to be about six or eight foot long. And when the stage was remodeled, some. He cut it down to this size. So that's, I, I never walk in the door without thinking about it uh, when I see the altar. All right, well, let's take our classes at this time, and we're anxious to hear Brother Michael share from the book of Revelation. If you're visiting with us, just please be at home with us today.
Brother Chris, yes, sir. if it's out with you, I'm going to teach you out of Genesis, though. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I read that revelation. All right, okay, okay. Please. Okay. Wrong black. Yeah. It is good to see each one that's here this morning. When I was younger, I would quail hunt a lot with my dad. And uh, anytime we'd get in really big briars or limbs, he'd tell him, tell me to get behind him. And as we'd go through that stuff, he'd hold the limbs so they wouldn't hit me. Made my path easier. And with Brother Chris, I think about the ones that, that are laid out here that held the branches and held the briars so that we wouldn't get scratched up so bad behind them. Yeah. And I hope we can do that for the generation behind us. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Homecoming 2022. Wow. Really haven't, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Genesis, not Revelation, but Genesis chapter 11. Uh, we're going to talk a few minutes about, I don't know, you could consider it a children's story. It's real popular with children, but I have found so much more in this as I've prepared it ta it's talking about the story of the uh, tower of the city of Babel, which we know later became Babylon in, in uh, I guess it would Iraq or Iran, somewhere in that location. I can't remember which of the two. But before I get started in it, let me, let me kind of lay a, a little bit of a foundation. One of the fundamental beliefs that we have as Christians uh, in our church, in our circle of churches, is what we call the duality of a man. That in essence, you know, when Adam was laying there created and he was he was dead. He was dead as a log until God breathed the breath of life, gave him a soul. And we still consider those to be two separate entities. A man is made up of what we'll call we call him the Adam man or the outer man, the flesh, the part you can see, you can touch, you can weigh. And then we say there's a soul or we call it the inner man, the spiritual man. And there's some distinct differences in those. You know, the, the Adam man, the outer man is temporary. He will die and go back to the dirt. The soul is eternal. You can't measure and weigh the soul. But we also believe that what this sets up throughout a person's life is a battle between the two entities. And, and sometimes I think what they're really battling for is control of the mind. That's right. Yeah. 
And, you know, you go back to the old cartoon where you got the little angel on this shoulder and the little devil on this shoulder, and they're telling in each year what to do. Well, it's a little bit of a simplistic way, but I think that's really what's going on as we, as each battle to have priority and control of the mind. But in this lesson, and one sure way you can tell when the outer man has the upper hand on the inner man is when somebody starts to become rebellious. Whether it's a teenager, a child, an adult, when you see rebellion in someone's life, you can pretty much count on it that that outer man right now has the upper hand on things. Um, you know, the scripture said, and this, this is kind of a serious statement, but it said that rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. Now, that's pretty serious, but, but the more I looked into that, you know, let's say someone practices divination and witchcraft and all that dear stuff. You think of all the things they open their life up to and the dangers of that. Well, with rebellion, you're kind of walking down that same road. You're opening yourself up because, well, even I, I think psychologists would agree and, and state, you take a teenage child, once they, they, they start to mature, you can see it in a little small child. I see it in Madeline lately. She's matured a little bit. But when that child hits that age of rebellion, their maturing stops. And it doesn't start back until they get over that period of rebellion, however long it takes, whether it's six months or six years or, or whatever it is. During that period of rebellion, they don't do anything growing maturity-wise. They're, they're, uh, they're spinning their wheels in that regard. But, but I say all this to say this. This lesson dealing with the Tower of Babel has, and it's mentioned in the previous chapter, but not in this chapter, is a man named Nimrod. And we talked about him, but I want to read it again if you want to back up in the 10th chapter. And it's the eighth verse. In eighth verse, tenth chapter. And Cush begat Nimrod. His very name translated means to rebel. Now, who would name their child after that? I don't know. Maybe they named him later when they said, that kid's going to be a rebel. We're going to name him Nimrod. I don't know. But his very name meant to rebel. And it said, and he begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, wherefore it is said even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Notice how that's worded. And the beginning of his kingdom. His kingdom. There are... Um, is everyone familiar with the Jewish historian Josephus? In his writing, he recorded that most Jews felt like Nimrod was a giant in the line of Samson. And that's why he was such a mighty hunter and why he was revered by so many people. And also the other interesting thing is where it says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord that could easily be translated in the face of the Lord. 
In other words, staring the Lord down in kind of the way to look at it. Being a rebel in the face, in God's face, let me put it that way. Uh, he, Josephus was not kind at all to Nimrod. Anyone want to comment so far? You, any studying you did? Yes, sir. I believe Babel was in Iraq. Okay. All right. Okay. And you remember Saddam Hussein? Mm-hmm. He was trying to rebuild Babel. Okay. Okay. You're right. Babylon. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And speak about rebellion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get, with that in mind, we'll get into this 11th chapter said, in the whole earth, 11th chapter of Genesis, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. So we found a better way to build now. We know how to make bricks here. And here's where the problem started. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. I see a whole lot of us in that verse. I don't know about you guys, but I see a whole lot of us or a singular I, me. Now off the surface, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with having a city and building a city? I believe they were still under the commandment to go and replenish the earth, were they not? Not park it at one spot. And to build a tower. Build this Tower of Babel. Why? Well, one thing, that would probably become their center of everything. Possibly even would become their center of worship. Who are they going to worship? My guess is Nimrod. Yeah. I see a city in rebellion. I see a people in rebellion. But it goes deeper than that. And this is, I stumbled across, I had never thought about this really. If you study Babylonian literature, which is some of the oldest on earth uh, in Assyria, there's some old tablets, and they speak. Let me find the name of them again. Because I just went blank. Oh, yeah. In those old tablets, which are some of the earliest writings ever, they speak of a great warrior named Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. And according to their writings, now this isn't scripture, let me double say that. This is just historical writings. Gilgamesh was about the time of Nimrod and he went out to destroy the God of the Flood. And then it dawned on me. They built a tower as high as they could build it. Why? So that this evil God couldn't flood them out again. And I'm just slow, but it never dawned on me. They were trying to, 
to insulate themselves from this wicked God who flooded out all their ancestors years before. So they're, they're in the face of God. And supposedly this Gilgamesh went to destroy this God who, and he knew of the flood and it said he knew of the flood and of course his grandfather would have been who? Ham. Yeah. So he would have had a first account story of the flood. So interestingly, you can just see rebellion against God all over this city, the people. How that they wanted to do it their way. And isn't that really the heart of rebellion that you see in a, even a small child? They want to do it their way. Well, sure it is. You go back to the 60s. That's probably the decade of rebellion in this country. Yeah. This, this whatever was authority, whatever was right, they were against. Just cause. Didn't matter. Just cause. They just wanted to be against it. So we see what a dangerous emotion rebellion is to a human being. I'll be quiet a minute. Someone to comment. Do we know how much time had passed since the ark had been opened and the people were out again from there to this? Not too long. A couple of generations. Because I imagine generations kind of turned over quicker then. But it was not. It was short enough that I think everybody knew good and well the story of the flood. Yeah. But look how quickly that story got twisted. Instead of a God who did it because of man's sin to just a mean God who just wanted to, had a bad day and want to take it out on everybody, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So let's keep going now. So they're going to build it out of bricks because they they wanted to make a name for themselves, which is the ego, Pat. You're right. And they did not want to be scattered. We do not want to do what God told us to do. We want to stay in this spot. We know better than God. And it said, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them. If they'll do this, there's no telling what they'll do. This much rebellion has caused them to lose. Well, they'll just lose all restraint and no telling what they'll wind up doing. So if you want to read it that way, which I think you could, God's about to do something for their own good, really. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Has man changed one bit here in 2022? Not a bit. We see people all the time who would just assume there not be any rules. Just, just a, well, it's even, what's the, what's the verse in Scripture? Every man did what he thought was right in his own eyes. Yeah, he wanted to be his own king and his own boss and nobody else tell him what to do. Yeah. We see that today. 
it's, a, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, how things have changed since man was created, but man hadn't changed a bit. He hadn't changed a bit. Which makes it pretty easy for the, if you'll have it, the little devil on this shoulder, because he ain't got to come up with anything new. The same old things still work on man. Yeah. Yeah. Just the concept of building a tower like that is, is pretty mind-blowing to me uh, that you could, that, that it would be possible for them to build bricks uh, and lay them in a pattern that would, would sustain itself for a, a good mm -hmm. hire. We, on our trip this week, we went to the uh, Fort Orange Lighthouse, which used to be called the Mosquito Cove Lighthouse, and, um, and the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Temperature was right at 100 degrees both days, and I stood there and looked at those things, and I said, I walked you two or three times already. I think I'll pass today. <laughs> but that tower, they're made out of mason, masonry, mm -hmm. and they go up, 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 they're like 100 degrees. What was it, 190 feet or something? And, you know, that's pretty tall for something that was built 100 years ago. But, you know, just the thought that, that at this time in history, they, they acquired enough knowledge to build bricks and design a design where they, could, they thought they could do that. And probably would have been fairly successful in getting mm -hmm. something started if God uh, confounded their plane. Correct. Um, it, was the, it was the intention of their heart yeah. because bricks and slime will only go I don't know, five or six stories. Yeah. You got to have steel. And if if the the building of a of a tall building was an offense to God, then the World Trade Centers would have never got built. And the building in Dubai was the tallest. Yeah. But but those people did not have, you know, defying God at their heart. They, they had building building. Yeah. And so Sister Elaine, I, I totally agree with her that it was the intent of their heart, not not the building, because God knew that, that, that slime and brick could only get so high because he, he created physics. And that's, that's, you can't beat physics no. because that's, that's God's law. But Someone else. It goes back to what you said. There was an awful lot of eyes and knees and weeds in here. Uh, and this. there was no mention of uh, any, any instruction or any uh, dedication to God to this, to this project. Yeah. Their motivation was to defy God, to be in his face, as it said, before the Lord. Yeah. You know, God was actually being merciful yes. to when he when he confounded their language because they were wasting their time and God knew it. Uh, they actually had in their mind that they could physically build a building tall enough to reach in there. A lot of people today think they can get to heaven without going through Jesus Christ and, and Jesus is the only way to get there. 
And so uh, everything that God did, even though it probably angered these people, everything that God did is actually being merciful to them. And, 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 uh, I didn't mean to get ahead, but when he, when he separates their language where they can't understand one another, they quit wasting their time and material. And as it said, if they had accomplished this, they would have come up with something even worse after that for their next project. Yeah. Their hearts was in the same condition as in the days of the flood. Mm-hmm. Sure. Same way of men today, or mankind today, hearts in the same condition. Verse 7, go to, let us go down, and there confounded their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth whether they spoke Chinese or Japanese or English or Russian or whatever. They went their separate ways. Uh, pretty easy way to scatter them, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Did you see God laughing a little bit at them? Yeah. They build it now. Yeah, build it now. But the, 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 uh, but to me, the heart of this lesson for us today is the danger of letting rebellion get in our heart. Amen. Yeah. It's poison to our soul. Right. Yeah. Much more than I think we realize. Yeah. Rebellion in whatever it is. If we get I mm -hmm. in the way, as you read there to us, 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 it's supposed to bring some rebellion right Hey, if I got out running in the center of everything, I, hey, it don't matter what you say, it don't matter what you do, I've got a better way. Yeah. Rebellion and humbleness have to be on the far ends of the world from each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and bring up a, a bad subject, but the it, what's going on in, in our society with this L, LGBTQ uh, and transgender stuff, uh, that's a rebellion against God uh, because, you know, if if you were born a, a male and you think you're a female, uh, that's that's just saying God made a mistake. And that's a, that's a, a heart of rebellion. And that's, that's why uh, that life is so, so hard. I used to listen to a guy when I was going to work years ago, uh, James Dobson. And he, he spoke a lot about childhood rebellion and <coughs> how to deal with it. Uh, you know, people thought he was a, a preacher, but he wasn't. He said, I, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a follower of God. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. So, you know, I'm not preaching to you, but this is what I understood. And, and he talked about the rebellious child and not to give in to, not to, you know, not to let that child have its way. And I think Brother Bovich in this one time 
He said, if you let, he said, if a father lets a child look at him and say no to the father, he said, when the heavenly father knocks on the door, the child will say no. Because he's got that rebellion already in his system. He's, it worked for my dad, it worked for him. So he said, don't let a small child or any child tell you no. That's, that's not the way to raise a child. Um, I, I heard Dr. Dobson say that when, when Nikki and Robbie were like three or four, and that scared me to death. Anyone else? We're going to stop a little bit early this morning. I'm sure they've got some special songs to sing this morning. Well, I'll close with this because what you said just made me think of it. I'll tell you something a little humorous. Um, my, my grandson Elijah, the middle one, was riding in the truck with me the other day, and I forgot what he was doing, but I turned around and said, Elijah, stop. And the little rebellion popped up in his life, and he starts shaking his head. I said, Elijah, do you want me to stop this truck and take care of this? And he shook his head and he said, Papa, I'm just trying to get the water out of my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> he'd realized that rebellion was going to get him nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else this morning? That was a lot of work No, no. no. <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate everybody's help this morning, and we'll pick up there.